Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to episode 29 of The Front 3. My name is Adam Boldwood and joining me as always is the one and only Lawrence McKenna. Hello, how are you doing? I'd say 7 out of 10 at the moment. Oh, sorry. Which is good. What do you mean? That's oh, good. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, great. No, yeah, fantastic. Okay. Of course um, And of course, the one, the only, Dave O'Brien. Dave out of 10, how are you doing? Ooh, I'm going to say a 7.5, well above the average. Has that got anything to do with... You know, Arsenal, Chelsea going out of the Capital One Cup. Or... It could be. It could be a trip for LVG's men to Wembley. <laughs> Speaking of Arsenal then, uh, defeated 3-0 by Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, somewhat a surprising result, uh, you know, seeing as their, their recent form. But here's Arsenal after all. Um, Wenger has never won the tournament. Not a great performance, Dave. But I doubt, you know, many Arsenal fans are going to be too upset about you know, going out in a Capital One Cup is probably not their priority. But maybe the injuries they suffered on the night could prove to be costly down the line? I think so, yeah, definitely. Phil Walcott, um, who was, well, no, Chamberlain, sorry, went off first injured and then Walcott came on and then got injured as well. Um, the potential issues we have here is Arsenal's right midfield berth. Obviously, Ramsey's been playing that position brilliantly at the start of the season, but he's also out injured. Now, uh, Chamberlain was played at the weekend in that position. Now he's injured and Walcott can play that role also injured. The thing that I worry about the most is Steele Walcott's um, form and the ability to uh, push defences a bit deeper and uh, allow the likes of Alexis Sanchez, Meza Ozil to really create, um, you know, issues in that sort of 10 slot, you know, the, it, just in front of the back four. So a question that is Olivier Giroud going to be able to test defences as much as Steele Walcott can with his pace? Tactically, there, you know, it kind of covers one of Arsenal's uh, cards in a way. So it's, it's going to be difficult for them. I saw a few tweets uh, sort of pointing to the fact that Walcott didn't warm up before he came on, or you know, mm-hmm. Arsene Wenger didn't send him to warm up. It seems to be the same narrative playing out again and again. I, I still think it's, um, I mean, th- that squad, the, the 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 team that they played tonight should have played better than they did. I think would be your answer to that. He came um, out and said the young players weren't ready for the for this level, which I thought was interesting. Wenger came out and said that. Well, uh, I suppose he's paid to know that before the match. <laughs> yeah, you think? Um, I mean, but I, maybe that's the case. I mean, maybe maybe that's exactly what he wanted to happen tonight. Maybe I don't think a three nil yeah. drumming of his side and injuries was what he wanted. But I think you've got to get players' experience. But you hope that you've mixed it in with enough 
other experience. It doesn't. Oh, it's a three 0 loss. He's obviously not going to try and deflect that. I think Arsenal are disappointed. I think Arsenal Wenger is probably very good at dealing with this sort of scenario at this point. But it just seems like another repeat. Um, it, what you would say is it's not like it's a particularly important competition for Arsenal. No, and I think now what's going to take the heat off Arsenal in many respects is the fact that Chelsea are out. That's obviously something that's going to be dominating the headlines. On penalties? Yes, on penalties. Eden Hazard uh, missing the crucial oh, penalty. Ooh, I don't know about that. I think it was a wonderful save, I'd say. Oh yeah, of course. Jack Butlin turned out to be the hero. But Lawrence... What do you think this means for Jose Mourinho? I mean, as you said there about Arsenal, Capital One Cup, not the end of the world uh, for Arsenal. Yeah, but it's not about a run of games for Chelsea. So it, it's slightly different in that they were against Premier League opposition. Um, they played a team where, I mean, if you look down that team tonight for Chelsea, then you've got a number of stars. I mean, it's really just a, the strongest starting lineup that, mm. uh, or one of many strong starting lineups. Uh, Eden Asad, Oscar, Willian, Diego Costa. Ramirez, Obi Mikel, granted, but you know John Terry and Cahill as centre backs and Kurt Zuma there as well. So I, I don't think it's a team that should have lost to Stoke. Granted, they were away from home. The Stoke team haven't had a great run of form though, um, so I, I think Chelsea would be disappointed there. Do you think this result puts Mourinho's job in jeopardy though, or do you think he's still you know got the backing of the club? I don't think the Carling Cup is going to be particularly important, but I do think that the more evidence that lines up against him in terms of the media and all those other things isn't going to help him. Um, I don't know if it, if results are even the thing which are going to matter at this point. Um, I think it's more the nature of the way that Chelsea play, yeah. how the players react and those sorts of things. I think that's probably going to be a much more uh, indicative factor on whether Mourinho keeps his job or not. There are reports that if... Chelsea lose to Liverpool at the weekend on Saturday um, yeah. in the weekend's big game that he will lose his job. But as you say, why would you sack him? Because I don't see what other options Chelsea have, Lawrence. I read an interesting article today. Um, just give me your audible response of an ooh or an ah. Uh, Jose Mourinho is Sam Allardyce with money. Ooh! No, Sam Allardyce is better than Mourinho. <laughs> so he claims. Let's put it that way. Um, that, that's like very it. unfair on Mourinho. Um, and I think you know people get reductionist when people really want to kick you while you're down. Um, and let's put it this way: that's a big kick. All right. Um, oh, I so. I think it's interesting to see again Mourinho. I mean, he doesn't seem resigned to what's going on here, but it, there's certainly I don't know there are undertones to what he's saying, what he's doing. Doesn't seem all that invested in the job right now. Um, I think he finds it difficult to go beyond the three years, but you just won well, even two and a half seasons. Mm. And you just wonder why it's so difficult for him to go beyond there, that. There was a great quote from uh, Ferran Soriano, who was the, the, he's now the Manchester City chief executive, of course. He sort of said Mourinho is a winner, but in order to win, he guarantees a level of tension that eventually becomes a problem. And I think we talked about this yeah. before, Dave, but it is that classic third year syndrome where it's just worn down. The players are worn down after two years, almost exhausted by all the drama and all the back-against-the-wall mentality that Mourinho creates. I mean, how much would you agree with that, Dave? Yeah, it's, it's managing through fear, isn't it? And I think that's what Mourinho has done in his time, and it does work short-term, but long-term, it just doesn't work. You see, you can't see you know, someone like a Fergus, Ferguson doing that to a level that Mourinho does it. Like Ferguson gets the back-against-the-wall at certain times, but it's not a constant where I think that's where Mourinho's found his downfall is it's his constant, like, everyone hates us, we're, we're not, you know, we're, we're terrible and all this stuff. There's so much, like, 
hatred that's going down that it can't be healthy for players. But I think at first it does seem you can almost see the the siege mentality. The players uh, and the people inside the club probably think it is almost legitimate. But after a while, he seems to come across as very paranoid, as someone who is just talking rubbish, to be honest. Well, I think if you go back to the old tactics in war, why you used to siege a castle is to you know, obviously get into it and oh, cut off all the resources. Nice. And it's similar to what Mourinho's doing in a way. He's sort of cutting off everyone when he goes into the siege mentality and trying to get everyone inside his castle to sort of you know fight mm-hmm. harder and come out a lot more. But at the end of the day, when you run out of wheat, you run out of wheat and you've got to get out of the castle. And that is the issue, that he's stuck in the castle. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The wheat, they lost it. And, uh, what, they're gonna they're gonna have to start eating horses or something soon if he continues. But <laughs> I think defensively, you got to look at the defensive I'm hungry, side. That's all I know. Uh, yeah. Lawrence, um, do you think Chelsea really will sack Jose Mourinho in the near future? Because at the end of the day, they've almost run out of managers to a point. You know who who is an upgrade on Mourinho that isn't Pep Guardiola, who isn't leaving. You know, not leaving anytime soon. He may be leaving in the summer. But if they get rid of Mourinho, what are they going to do? In his own right, Jose is a fantastic manager. What he achieves during his time at any club is good. But when you evaluate him within that context of uh, the almost zeitgeist of Mourinho that he carries, then it's fantastic. If you maybe burst that bubble or you go outside of his castle where the wheat's running out, then exactly, Lawrence. Um, then you have a different context. And I, I was thinking about this the other day. What Abramovich said he wanted was a very different kind of football to the football that Mourinho is bringing. Even in Mourinho's, even in peak Mourinho, if you like, which is not peak Mourinho, I mean, negative sense, I mean, peak Mourinho when, you know, all the players are at their most elegant and they're playing the beautiful football. It's still not the football that Abramovich wants. And it makes you just wonder, uh, it's not about, I think Mourinho brings a winning mentality to a club. But it almost makes some people forget, at least in the short term, what it means to be winning in football. Because at least with Ferguson, if United lost, then there was a sense that they tried to do it the United way for a very long time. Um, I know that broke somewhat under the Glazers, but it, you know, it, it still remained true. And I think Klopp said a very similar thing recently, which is if we lose, at least we lose our way. Mm. And I think that the big issue with Mourinho very often is that if they lose, they'll lose in a very unelegant way. And it somewhat sours the achievement, I think, and is hard to argue against. And uh, as much as it says in the history books, oh, you know, they won, they, they've got the league title, etc. You imagine there's going to be caveats with that. And it's those caveats, I think, that ruin it. And that's why I think there are upgrades on managers such as Carlo, such as all those other guys. Dave, I mean, do you think, do you think Chelsea would be wise to sack Mourinho. Obviously, things are almost as bad as they're going to get now. But there are there are no alternatives out there. I don't understand what they're going to do if they do decide to get rid of him. I think the only person that Lauren, Lauren sort of mentioned there was Carlo Ancelotti coming back in. And that's the beauty of what I don't think that's good. Mourinho... With, with Mourinho, if you well, follow with Carlo Ancelotti, it's like the perfect blend. You have the, someone that's so tight and so like, you know, it's us versus the world. And then Carlo comes in and he just comes in and is like, guys, just chill the fuck out. Go and play football and we'll win games. And it's, I think it's that, the, the it's thing, that difference. The, re- the, re- the report in the Times today was that um, Abramovich is still obsessed with Guardiola. The idea of bringing Guardiola to the club, sort of what exactly. you're talking about, Lawrence. That, that imagine the of... burn there from Mourinho. Imagine yeah, the burn. His, his biggest the rival. guy that he hates. <laughs> the guy that he, he doesn't, I don't know, he feels, yeah, like his biggest rival. Mm. And Abramovich is going, 
see a little bit more but, like him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, Pep Guardiola is not going to be available until the summer at the earliest, but there are murmurings that he might even renew his contract to Bayern Munich. So like you're saying, the, the, the persistent rumour is that Ancelotti, but in the Times today, they're sort of saying that Ancelotti does not look back on that, that second season at Chelsea fondly and has no real <laughs> desire to go back to a place where he was treated so... <laughs> You know, it was quite an unedified dismissal. Let's put it this way. That, that's good. But I think we're, again, we're still within the Mourinho. We're operating within the Mourinho bubble. And part of me would say, I feel like Abramovich very much bought into the Mourinho dream when he first came on because he was the special one leading the special club. And there was a slight arrogance about Chelsea. I think it worked for a while. And I think Abramovich bought into that because it was very marketable. But we do have to say, has Chelsea been mismanaged from the top down? because they so much bought into this ego-enhancing dream, which was, you know, we're going to, it's us against the world, we're going to build this, you can't tell us what to do, we're going to spend our billions. All right, where are your academy players? Hmm. Where, where, where is the class that people were talking about and that they wanted from a, from a, I mean, it's a Southwest London club, but it's still a West London club. Where are all the things that they set out to build? Because if you're looking on maybe just silverware, you've got something. But if you're looking at building the culture of the club and building things that maybe are more desirable and are going to bring more genuine fans to the club, then maybe you're lacking a little bit. And I don't blame the fans for that necessarily, but I do think that there's, a, there's an issue there. And that's why when we're talking about it, then you think there's more to this than just Mourinho. But Mourinho is very good at either attracting flames or pushing them away. We talked about Mourinho when he's arrived at the club. He sort of talked about how he wanted to be there long term, not something he's, he's ever sort of mm-hmm. done before. But right. things are increasingly looking like that might not happen. You know, we, he was talking about developing youth players. You know, his love affair of Chelsea, all this sort of stuff. Dave, where do you think Jose Mourinho is going to be in a year's time? Do you think he'll still be at Stamford Bridge, or do you think maybe the rumours that he could even head to PSG could be legitimate? I think, yeah, I don't think he's going to be at Chelsea, to be honest. I think it's it, he's failed in bringing through this, um, you know, this generation of young players. You're looking at Solanke, Loftus-Cheek, uh, Kurt Zuma. That's just, they're not key components yet, or they're not, they don't look like they're going to become key components. You know, Solanke's gone out on loan to Vitesse. I mentioned this before on the podcast. But why ridiculous. not give him that time then, Dave? Why I'm not? I'm they're not doing that now. Because it feels so like he's, he's already like lost that in a way. He's He had the opportunity to bring these players through and play them and, you know, bring them into the side, but it just feels like it hasn't. I think it's the similarity with LVG where he's, okay, he gave this lad a debut, but in terms of actually developing these young players and giving them an opportunity in the first team and not being driven by just results, I think that's the downfall of Jose Mourinho is that he hasn't, he's never found that at a club to fully bring through a generation of young players and that's killed him again. And he he will be. Dave, do do you think that's partly down to what people expect and the MO that he has when he first gets to a club, which is, Win us something, and I win us something quick. I think I'll throw that, you know, throw the, that back at the you that he's built that Laura that he feels that he has to deliver now, and maybe yeah, he's, well, exactly, he's put yeah. so much pressure on his back that he, he is the winner, he's the chosen one, he's the champion that he can't afford to develop these young players because uh, the results will go down. You know, the transitional it, period at Man United that goes from like after ninety nine to say like early two thousand between when you know we had Ronaldo had just been bought and um, you know we had RVP in there, not RVP, sorry, Ruvan Nistelrooy in there. Uh, you know, United came third, four, you know, fourth, and that those types of positions. 
could you see Mourinho doing that? Could you see Mourinho doing what Wenger does as well? Wenger does it very, very well. They have, these managers have the longevity because they, they, they sort of don't mind coming third, don't mind coming fourth. But I think Mourinho's built this ego up so big that he can't do it himself now. But do you think they had, for a very long time, they had, I mean, uh, Wenger had someone who backed him and said, we believe in your project. And it's very difficult because there have been so many egos, especially at the very top at Chelsea, who have backed the project. And that's fantastic because they need to back the project. But now when it comes to taking the next step in the project, there's a little bit of trepidation there. And you'd say, well, that's not great business then. Because if you're not willing to take things to the next level, then don't necessarily blame the man who's trying to do that. You would, I mean, I was on a podcast on uh, Sunday night and the, the host was saying, Richard Farley was saying, it's, it would be unusual for Chelsea to do this and they probably won't because they definitely need to get into the Champions League. But what if they were to go to Mourinho and say, look, call the season a write-off, all right? Put all your whatever you need down and bring in Zuma, play Loftus-Cheek every game and, and we'll be really happy with that. But they just... That's not Mourinho's fault that they can't do that because they've built a business model around being in the Champions League every season, whereas other clubs are looking to be more sustainable in a different way. But I think that's with you know if you, you it's a good example of you know Arsenal and Arsene Wenger and being this you know sustainable club that is sort of ticking on. Chelsea's obviously a different model, and I'd say the question again, you, you know, I do think that the management is as fault as Mourinho, but then you go to ask the management again, why, if you want to develop young players, are you bringing in Jose Mourinho that's got a mm. terrible record of developing young players? Why are you doing that? Isn't that exactly. a systematic error on their half that they yeah. are, they're not, you know, they're not thinking about that. They're not thinking of someone like, potentially, like, you know, maybe a, a Guardiola that does give young players opportunities or, you know, a longer-term manager it's just, for me, at Chelsea's a bit of a mess. And it has been since uh, Abramovich took over. And maybe that, is, like you said before, is the big issue. I think we'll, we'll see Guardiola at Man City before we see him at Chelsea. They sort of oh, the it's going to be at Man United, bro. <clears throat> well, Allegedly, we'll he said he was only interested one, in London. One, yes. So, OK. But I'm he met Ferguson on. before when he was at Barcelona, when he, when he was in his sabbatical, and he spoke to Ferguson and he said... Fergie, tell me when you're going to leave it. Tell me when you're going to leave Old Trafford and I'll come in. But Fergie didn't know he was leaving at the end of the season. So, you know, there's, there's some rumours in that, Lawrence, I think. And, and Adam, I'm going to say, he's at United. He's going to be there. And it's going to be beautiful. One manager who did lose his job over the weekend was uh, Tim Sherwood, Lawrence. Mm. Now, there's some saying that he was almost unfairly treated in that maybe he didn't get enough time. But six defeats in a row is always going to put you in a difficult position, isn't it? Uh, certainly, especially when you say what you're there for and you set out a very different aim at the beginning of the season um, and you said you know, what you, could, what you thought you could do with the team I think he over-promised and under-delivered in terms of um, being a manager and I think that's part of management is uh, managing expectation um, and that's what some managers are very good at but some are not and I think Tim Sherwood has done some excellent things as a, a very young manager in England. I'm not saying he's the best manager that England has or that he should be the England coach, no. but I think he's done some good things and I think he would be very valuable as part of coaching staff. Dave, what Let's you... not forget this man is like, he's a, he's a Premier League winner. Yeah. He's also, he's, he's been coached by some of the best mm. and he's been coaching alongside some of the best. So it's not like he's, it's not like it's a, a, an unusual situation to see people like this step up, but it is, it is strange because he, he took them to the FA Cup last season. But again, it's more ego engagement, isn't it? Mm. it do, and that doesn't work. Who 
who needs Zinedine Zidane when you've got Tim Sherwood? Hey. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave, what do you think is next for Tim Sherwood? Because he's obviously got to rebuild his reputation somewhat. I think it's got to be going down to the Championship or League One. I think he's. I think the Premier League at the moment is a bit too much for him. Um, I think that he comes in with this allure that he's going to play wonderful attacking football. He does play wonderful attacking football for the first sort of month, month and a half. And then he realises that he's conceding a load of goals and changes the system up and goes negative and defensive. I think he needs to be more convicted in his style of play. He needs to just believe that he will, that giving players confidence and, and letting them play football. For example, you know, Grealish and Delft, some of the wonderful stuff we saw at the end of last season. And, um, we just need to. He needs to believe in himself and believe in his philosophy, and then I think he'll do all right. You know, I think he just needs time to learn. I think he's not giving himself that, and going to go, you know, going down to the championship or even League One might be a better uh, place for him to work. Could be a good career move for him. Speaking of managers, Lawrence. Yes. Jurgen Klopp claiming yeah. uh, the club must calm down. Were <laughs> his words? Yeah. Um, I mean, about what he. He was sort of saying, you know, they need to shake off the fear which engulfs his side every time things go against them. He makes a good point. Uh, yeah, um, you agree? Well, I think, yeah, I think Anfield is a very difficult um, place to be a manager sometimes, a very difficult place to go. Um, I think, I, I agree. I think that there is a lot of negativity that, that has come around Anfield. There. That, that comes through expectation of the fans. Um, I, I think that... To some extent, there's a frustration with all the money that's been spent, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and I think that there's a, the biggest difficulty comes in trying to express that to the fans. And I think that I was talking about, you know, uh, managing expectations. Um, I think it's very good to speak directly to the fans and to a club and say, "This is what we need to do." Having a more direct uh, discourse with fans is probably a positive thing because I, like, I, I do think Anfield's a very nervy place sometimes. I like the way you phrased it. Is that it's only a goal. Only a game of football. It's like it's the last thing in your life, and we have to calm down. It's only a game of football, mate. Let's just all calm down. But I, th- I think he's trying to put it in perspective. I don't necessarily think he's putting down their feelings. I think no. what he is, what he is. I, I also wonder who he's speaking to there, um, because that I think a lot of people have been trying to work out whether uh, you know they can frame Jurgen on some of the things that he's been saying. Um, I, I, yeah, there's give give me. I don't know if anyone else has liked this page on Facebook, but give me sport mm. is. I'd say oh. it's no, one of the worst pages for clicks. Oh, uh, yeah. Pure, pure clickbait. Really terrible click. You know that, and then it's just surrounded by adverts, and it, very often the page won't load because it has so many adverts on it. Uh, they're terrible for a Jurgen Klopp quote. We had the uh, Liverpool coach Pepin Linders come out today and say that he believes Jurgen Klopp's methods were already taking effect at Anfield. Uh, he's had three games in charge so far. I mean, have you seen any evidence of um, Klopp bringing in certain tactics or certain philosophies, as uh, LVG would say? Yeah, there's a definite you know change of pace of Liverpool. Liverpool was so pedestrian at the end of Brendan Rodgers' sort of reign. Again, the game against Everton, they were awful playing that 3-5-2. What was he playing at? But from what I've seen, they, they, they get to the ball a lot quicker there more compact in defence, the transition is a hell of a lot better. They sort of, um, you know, they'll, they'll shift a lot earlier, they'll have more um, men if they lose the ball, you know, they'll rush to that area, then they'll put the press straight on. So I think with Liverpool, it's just a matter of time. The one question mark to have that at the moment that is in terms of goal scoring, who's doing that at the moment? Not many people for Liverpool. Liverpool have only scored nine goals in the Premier League this season, only West Brom and Watford both on eight goals have scored fewer. So what I think... 
Brendan, or Brendan, sorry, Jurgen needs to do is get them scoring goals again. But from the attacking play that I've seen, that's very that was similar to Borussia Dortmund. It's a lot of short passing in the final third, one touch stuff, really quick, and then getting getting the ball wide and crossing it in the box. You know, Benteke's header against Southampton was absolutely brilliant. So I think Christian Benteke is the perfect player for a Jurgen Klopp side. You know, they love the direct ball out the back. So it's it's going to be. I think Liverpool just need to adapt. Need to wait a little bit and then sign some players in January. There's a lot of criticism of Coutinho at the moment. Really? Um, yeah. I mean, rightly so, because he hasn't had some fantastic games. But I do... I just wish some people would just stop being so definitive in everything they say. Just... You can't... You, as soon as someone goes, he's, he's having a bad season. He's having a bad season. Well, he's just going to have a bad season, isn't he? And you just think, well, fuck off, John Aldridge. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you said James and then you went so specific. I don't want to... I don't want to... You know... I, I don't want to say who I'm angry with, um, but you know, you you just feel a little bit like. And at the same time, uh, there's been so much hate on um, social media for Divacarigi. He's 20 years old, and it's not like the guy is. I mean, it's, it's not like the guy is is going play me. I, I want to go out and play badly. You know, I, there have been some people just posting stats as many stats as they could. Squawky did it, Dave. Um, I'm having a go at them. Uh, just posting, if it was about any other player, you'd see, I think people would be outraged. But people have got a, an idea about him and some people will not let that go. And I, I, for that reason, I'll stand, I'll stand by him and say, you know what, I'm with you, Divock, because I, I like you and I like your hair and I like that you keep going, despite the fact that there's a number of people posting negative headlines against you. And I like what Jurgen Klopp said about him, which was, I wanted him when, he, when we were at Dortmund, we're going to have a lot of fun with him. So be positive towards a young player. Because if, if that was a young English player, people would not be speaking in that way. Well, speaking of social media criticism and using stats to bash players, Dave. Dave's been at it again. Let's talk a, a little bit about Wayne Rooney. Because Rooney. he was trending on Twitter after the Manchester derby with 99% of people absolutely tearing into him. The, the big stat was that he lost the ball, lost possession 28 times over the course of the match. Um, I mean, we're talking about a player who isn't in form, of course, but do you think this lack of form, this loss, is temporary or is it permanent? Is it's this permanent. the gradual decline of Wayne Rooney? Yeah, it is. I've been calling it for years and years and I've been getting slated Ooh. for it. So it's time It's time for people to... Mystic basically, what's, what happens is you sometimes you say stuff about football and when you say it, people are like, you are an idiot, you're the stupidest person I've life. And then you actually realise that Shit, you know, it's kind of trending that Wayne Rooney's scoring less goals, creating less chances, registering less assists, becoming not as good in games, not changing games, not turning the pace in games, not scoring ridiculous bicycle kicks against Man City, and just having all around terrible games. And it's been not, it's not just this season that's happened. I'd say his whole time under LVG, he's had, you know, maybe one or two decent games. I can think of one against Tottenham, where he, he scored twice from mm. central midfield, I think it was, where he was pretty good, but... Apart from that, he's in decline. And, and the, a big stat that you sort of can think about is that David De Gea completed more, had a higher pass <laughs> accuracy than Wayne Rooney, yeah. which is damn right awful. You know, Look, 65% for De Gea, 55% for Wayne Rooney. And Wayne Rooney had the ball a lot more than David well, De Gea. Six, well, 65 is not a great um, pass no, accuracy in the first place. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah I suppose, uh, if, 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 you, if you're taking long balls, right? Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing we've got. Anyway. Yeah, that's the thing. It Lawrence, depends what, on the, the style of play, isn't it? But, yeah. Lawrence, what I want to know is, you know, your JJ's 
assistant manager apparently yeah. if you're assistant manager at uh, Manchester United what are you telling I just Rui- want you to know Adam I don't think JV is at the same level as LVG <laughs> no I mean his appointment of arguably. me whilst he's valued is probably not but if you uh, were the assistant manager right. for LVG what would you be recommending he do about this situation right now because you've got people Different saying facial routine in the morning yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> for I'd, Louis or for Wayne for Louis and Wayne both I mean. <laughs> um <laughs> I'd say what I would say is, hey, Louis, why don't we get all these guys to come to one central place where um, we can all have a chat, maybe do some jogging together and work out what we're going to do for the game over the weekend. And he'd say, that's revolutionary. I'd say, thanks. Um, And then we'd all get together in that one place (laughs) and we'd all work out what was going to happen over the coming weeks. I mean, I can see why you're not. We call it a training ground. (laughs) But if you were specifically about the Wayne Rooney situation. Yeah, Lawrence. I'd say... Even how turned uh, to you and he went, listen, what are we going to do about Wayne Rooney? I'd say, why the fuck are you still playing him all the time? Uh, and he'd, mean... say, <laughs> he'd say, because I've been told to by the higher-ups at the club. Um, I feel because, like I have to. He's my captain, he might say. Maybe. Uh, and you'd say, you'd say, well, we see a lot of admirable qualities in him, but is it possible that the club maybe needs to move on because no player, one, no one man... Should have all that power. Um, do we do we go down that route? I, it, I mean, it's what, so I'm odd saying, what I'm trying to get at is: Do you think that he needs to be dropped for his own good? Do you think maybe Louis van Gaal, the the onus is the, sorry, the onus is on Louis van Gaal to find him a new position, a position where he can play in well and have an influence on the games? Because at the moment, whatever Louis van Gaal is doing, whatever the tactics he's playing, is not getting the best out of Wayne Rooney. A little bit, yeah. I, I think uh, United will look to transition him uh, soon because uh, you Sell know it's very. Uh, I mean, that's part, that's part of the problem. Is where does Wayne go? Back to Everton. That'd be pretty nice, wouldn't it? That'd and how, a little what, bit of a fairy what wages tale. do you reckon Everton are paying Wayne Rooney? Adam? Oh, he might. You know, he might take a wage cut for the uh, the emotional. And why would he do oh. that? Because where else is he going to go? Well, why didn't he just stay at United? Oh, because I imagine. He's a very proud man. He doesn't want to be, you know, we'll see what happens as a, as the season goes on. But I imagine he's going to get dropped pretty soon unless his form turns around. Could be sidelined as the season goes on. Doesn't want to end on a low note. Wants to, you know, just what? call it a day. Realise mm-hmm. when it's time to move on. Back to Everton. Nice story for everyone. I think the difficulty would be, True Geordie himself uh, said to me today, would he get into that Everton team? You know, you've got Romelu Lukaku up front, you've got Ross Barkley in the number 10 position. Might be a nice story, but would Rooney even get in that team? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. What, what, like you're saying, what else can you... What else can Wayne Rooney do if things do keep going the way they're going? Louis van Gaal's going to have no option but to drop him, to sideline him. What, what, what uh, well, Dave, is there, anything, is, is there sure. anything statistically which may indicate that Wayne is doing something for the team? No. Oh, this okay. is the biggest thing. He's on. He's on massive decline. He's been on decline for the last two seasons. And I did see I a graph from Scorker over the last four seasons, and it was literally just all downhill. Every single key aspect, yeah. like key passes, shots, everything has gone down dramatically over the past great. four seasons. Okay, great. But as in, like, it's uh, clear. Do you know what I mean? As in, it's it's illustrated crystal clearly the decline. Uh, all, you, all you can think about is if it's, if you put him into midfield or something. Uh, I don't know. It's just. Basically, he doesn't fit in the United system at the they, moment. They tried doesn't... him in midfield before, haven't they? That didn't really work out. It was like a... No, it didn't. And now Louis van Howe's like, yeah, I'm going to play him up front. He's my striker. 
Anthony yeah, Martial's come in and sort of, you know, yeah, showing no, him up a, in a way. He's had a few too many whiskeys, I need Louis Van Al before before any training session this year. Shut up, Dave. <laughs> Blimey. Blimey. <laughs> no, I just said it on me. It's, it's, it's just a difficult situation. Wayne Mooney probably should be moved on or um, put to the bench or yeah. I don't know. It's Lawrence, do you think it's time for, him, time for him to call it a day at the end of the season? What? Um, uh, Manchester United. Oh, okay. Um, but like you say, where's he going to go? Where could he realistically... Well, where, where do you get 300 grand a week? I don't think he necessarily would be on 300 grand a week, though. Sorry, what do you think he's on right now? No, no, what I'm saying is I don't necessarily think... I mean, maybe I'm just being unrealistic, but he's not going to go to Everton to be like, oh, yeah, to come, you're going to have to pay me 300 grand a week. I Why think he not? would take a wage cut to go back to Everton. But that... I just don't quite understand what's going on there. Then why do that? Because he's going to be. Uh, no he's one going to be him. not playing at Everton, or he's going to be not playing at <laughs> Manchester United. Where we, Wayne? Please come back and let us pay you less, so you can not play here. Oh yes, please. <laughs> so if you're saying that, then where? Do you, what do you? What do you think he needs to do? Do you think he should PSG. stay at Manchester? PSG. Go to PSG. <laughs> I mean, is the answer? Quite a good decision. Be the news I've not thought about that. That's quite good, actually, Lawrence. Yeah. Oh, uh, AC Milan. Go to AC Milan. Uh, we've all said it throughout. We we think Wayne Rooney should go somewhere else, um, and I think that place should be PSG after his testimonial. Yeah, I I think it's interesting that he's getting a that he's getting well <laughs> he's getting a testimonial. Um, it, it would indicate his transition, wouldn't it? Yeah, uh, massively. Do you think Do you think he needs a testimonial? Oh yeah. Okay, great. Uh, I just don't. It's just interesting, isn't it, that Wayne Rooney is getting a testimonial? It would sort of indicate we're looking to move Wayne on by now. <laughs> Last year, this year, lads, let's uh, let's get that testimonial sorted out. I, well, the thing is, I, don't, I I mean, I don't quite get why they didn't sell him when he demanded those higher wages. Should have sold the first. I would have. Uh, yeah, I I I just don't quite understand why Sir Alex and the hierarchy at the club. There must be a reason. He must well, that have was when Moyes was there, wasn't it? That he. Signed the big, but it was the first first time. Yep, the it was the first time when he was on Sir Alex. But I think that was slightly different in terms of why. So I think when he signed the contract with Moyes, there was that sense of decline almost. That was that sense of he's tried to leave once. The fans were. I don't think the fans were. I don't think it would have you know cried themselves to sleep if Wayne Rooney had had left. But that first time, it did seem like a massive deal. He wasn't at the top of his game Wayne Rooney but he was still a very important player Frank, for Manchester United and it was a it was not a really no no but at the time I think it was a massive deal he was probably their biggest player but they lacked complete self-awareness in doing that because it was it was so much putting the individual ahead of all the other things of course and it was I everything think the bigger was mistake every, was when Moyes was there that but it's contract. everything that that David Moyes doesn't stand for and everything that Sir Alex doesn't stand for it doesn't make any sense Adam what I'm saying is the the one under Moyes was a much bigger mistake. I, to be honest, I think they they were both huge mistakes. I think but, as soon yeah. as you have a player who who has an agent who is uh, <laughs> motivated about by certain things and is trying to put things in a certain right. direction, and you think, right. well, well, why why is this happening? Mm. And why why isn't someone at the club taking some sort of charge of that? Well, you know, he's a huge he was a huge marketable asset. I agree, mm. and being you know being England's captain. And all those kind of things mm. will probably sell shirts around the world. Um, I wonder if they're waiting for someone else to come through, and I wonder if that is meant. It was, a, it was all a conspiracy, wasn't it? Did you hear the conspiracy theory about that? The uh, the the contract renew when Sir Alex Ferguson was there. No, what? The, it was all uh, a plan by Fergie 
to, you know, yeah. he said to Wayne, he was like, listen, Wayne, tell everyone you're going to leave, right? Tell everyone you're going to leave. Yeah. The Glazers are going to panic, right? You know, say that, you know, you, you're not convinced by the ambition of the club. Say all that. The Glazers will panic. They'll give us more money. I can put that into the playing squad and everything's going to be rosy. That was the conspiracy that everyone was sort of And Wayne went, yeah, you're right. Yeah, and then they went, <laughs> right, <boss."> yeah, <laughs> all right. Uh, and and wh where did I all mean, that money go, Adam? Who did they buy? I mean, it's true. I mean, you can't argue with conspiracy theories. And there's no evidence to say it wasn't true. So I'm going to put some bullshit stamp on that. I'm sorry, lads. Anyway, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'll be, I'll be honest. I'll say. I, don't, I don't really care, Adam. Is there anything else we can talk about? <laughs> Are you saying you don't care about wild conjecture? and conspiracy I'm saying theories? I care more about the fact that this week there's been so much talk about um, two footballers coming out as gay and those kind of things. Have you not heard these? Please enlighten me. There are, there are players this week. There are two high-profile Premier League players, one of which is allegedly within the England squad, um, who may come out as gay. Um, wow. And since there have been many headlines saying, well, gay people are welcome in the game. And you think, well, well what else are you going to say when asked about it? So the news is that two Premier League players are ready to come out. That's the allegedly. Allegedly. Right, okay. Although what you'd say is that the fact that someone broke that ahead of time and think that that is there some, some, therefore somehow healthy... For the the timeline of coming out as a gay person, you would imagine is a uh, imagine shows some of the climate within football right now. Yeah. The fact that someone thought they had to break that as news ahead of maybe showing the respect like, of someone's personal life, sort of laying um, the groundwork almost, uh, laying the groundwork, but also ruining the groundwork mm. thanks to the Daily Mirror. Um, wow. I, th I think it still shows there's a weird attitude towards homosexuality within football. Oh, massively. Um, the response that gets is going to be very interesting. Within the Premier League, that's going to be a real test of, uh, like you say, the there's a reason, tolerance. Yeah, there's a reason for freedom of speech, and there's a reason that uh, we allow people like Britain first um, to say mm -hmm. things within the country uh, because freedom of speech works both ways. You know, it allows you to say things, but it also allows you to reveal certain characteristics and personality traits, which maybe you know you would have just kept in inside before uh, for fear of. Uh, what might have been said. I'm not saying that about homosexuality. I'm talking about, I'm saying that about homophobes. Mm. Um, and, you know, John Barnes said it the same about race. You can't, uh, you can't stop them thinking it. But yeah. you, uh, you can stop them acting on those terrible things. So it's, it's how we address that. And I think general discrimination within sport. And I know, you know, f for instance, when we get to next summer in 2016, there's going to be a huge campaign around that kind of just discrimination in general in, in sport and within football. Um, and that'll be interesting to see the reaction to that within Europe, especially considering what we saw some of the European matches this week. Um, I think that will be the, I think that'll be the story almost. It won't necessarily be that the, the players coming out if it does happen, which is obviously a big story, but I think that the, like you said, the main story will be the reaction. Yeah. That. Which is it, which is more navel gazing from football than anything else, you know, <laughs> Uh, let me come on to something slightly less serious, just to, to round up the news. Right. So, did you hear, did you hear the story of the Bournemouth PA system, Lawrence? Have you heard no. this over the weekend? So, what happened was, um, Dave, have you heard the story? Explained it. I've heard parts of this story. Okay. What the hell's happening in there? Oh, so right. basically, um, Spurs at the weekend last weekend beating Bournemouth five one. Yeah, yeah. Eighty seventh minute. Yeah. Over the Tannoy system in the stadium, it all of a sudden 
crystal clear could be heard around the ground. Someone go, it's fucking unbelievable. It's fucking men against boys. You know, mm. all the fans start laughing and cheering, <laughs> saying you're going to get sacked in the morning, thinking it's the, the PA announcer has said this, like the Bournemouth um, guy has left his microphone on. Yeah. You know, unwittingly heard. Genius. But it was actually, funnily enough, uh, Barnaby the thoughts? from Spurred On. Really? <laughs> now, what he'd done was he'd left the, the, the ground early, five on up, he'd left, gone outside uh Barnaby I know very well went outside to record some interviews with and the fans. tuned in to the same channel. Somehow he flicked on his radio mic, it's the same frequency as the PA system in the Bournemouth Stadium. <laughs> so he's Brilliant. outside talking to his cameraman and you can hear the camera. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cameraman Glenn say, oh, the, the Man City scores nil-nil. Then they get onto the result. Barnaby's like, it's pretty sweet. Uh, <laughs> men against boys. Fucking unbelievable. Everyone in the whole ground hears it. Yeah. Bournemouth launched an investigation into it. They're not quite sure what's going on. But it was just a complete fluke. That his microphone was on the same frequency. <laughs> it was on the same channel. Technically, yeah. technically, he's broken the law there, Adam. How? Uh, did, Is it not? Did, it, was just, it was just a complete fluke. Yeah, he, he just flicked on his microphone, ready to the his filming, and he, uh, uh, completely unbeknownst to him, it was go. Uh, it was being broadcast. It, well, around I the mean, it, ignorance is no defence within English courts, but um, you <laughs> really? Uh, uh, well, yeah. I mean, technically, uh, I mean, That's he really hilarious. he probably shouldn't have it on that channel. But how uh, was he to know that it would be? Uh, you, any, you uh, <laughs> you'd imagine that he would have checked that beforehand. But how would you uh, to see to see which uh, which microphone channels were indeed um, available? I think you're being slightly harsh. On a I, no, I, I would. Who I would just say flicked I'm, on I'm, his I'm, microphone, I'm, unaware I'm, that the BA, uh, the Bournemouth PA system, I'm, was on a an, an accessible I'm, I'm, frequency. Funny though, isn't it? I mean, no, hilarious story, Adam. I'm just saying, you know, the, you're the, taking the, it into a, a legal uh, place, Adam. And sphere. I will pop yeah. that up in the club. Quite serious. Though. Yeah, very. Within uh, my eyes. It's all anyway, that broadcasting, Adam. All that, <laughs> after all that hilarity, let's move on to the questions. First up, Ethan Larson wants to know who will be the next country to win their first World Cup. Big question. Who are the candidates? Chile would be, I think Chile are going to be the closest, right? Yeah, because obviously taking their form from the Copper America. What else um, could you say? 
Who's strong with England? Oh, Lord, no, guys, we're, we're, we're missing the big one, the, the, the obvious one. It's got to be Holland. The Netherlands have got to three finals and lost all three finals, <laughs> which is a record I mean, yeah, in the World Cup. So that could yeah, be the look- one. Because they're looking fantastic right now. Uh... <laughs> Four years' time, though, mate. Four years' time. Uh, I mean, Wales are the eighth best team in the world at the moment. So, I mean... That's true. Well, I mean, Belgium. 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 Belgium, world number ones right now. I mean, they've got a very promising team. Yeah, but... Could, yeah. Come, could come to fruition 2018. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. 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 <laughs> maybe. Uh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, maybe not. I'm going to say Belgium. All right, say it. See if we care. Belgium. <laughs> so, there you go. Well said. Stick that uh, in the pipe. Um, Alejandro Giraldo yeah. wants to know, what do AC Milan and Italian football as a whole have <laughs> to do to be at the top? You've got to admit, it's more, it's more entertaining, though, isn't it? It's more, it, the Italian league is more entertaining recently. Uh, they, they've looked at what they were doing badly. They've looked at what they're doing wrong. And I think a lot of coaches have tried to address it. Um, AC Milan are a very different example, though. Uh, you know, they spent copious amounts of money under uh, Berlusconi and developed somewhat of a reputation. If you go to uh, Giuseppe Miazza in San Siro, then you see the disparity or the difference in the dressing rooms. Um, wooden benches for Inter Milan, uh, yeah, Internazionale, um, and AC Milan have very comfortable, almost F1 looking chairs. Um, and the difference between the two was, you know, the copious amounts of money spent at one club and then different amounts of money spent at Inter. Um, and what AC Milan have to do is, is probably quite different to what Italian, uh, the Italian league has to do. But you'd say what AC have to do is look, go back to basics. And what it, Italy has already started to do is go back to basics and um, begin to catch up with what other leagues in Europe are doing. And let's hope I mean, they go down the route, which isn't the Premier League route, and is actually maybe a Bundesliga or you know a more healthy route. If you look at the table as well, it's pretty, it's pretty good. You've got Roma on 20 points, and then you've got Napoli, Fiorentina, Inter Milan, and Lazio all on 18 points. So it's probably the most competitive Serie A we've seen in seasons. You know, uh, uh, Juventus have started very, very poorly, sitting in 12th position at the moment. So mm-hmm. I think I think with it, with with Italy on the, the league as a whole, it is coming back there. We're getting um, you know players, managers like Sari, the Napoli manager. We've got Rudy Garcia. Um, you know, Mancini's got Mancini's gone back there. We, you know, it's it's progress definitely. But I think with AC Milan, getting Mihailovic as a manager was an absolute gamble, and quite frankly, it hasn't paid off. You see, this weekend that they dropped Diego Lopez got dropped, um, former Real Madrid goalkeeper for a 16-year-old, and Mihailovic came out yesterday and said this 16-year-old is better than Diego Lopez at the moment in goal, and it that sort of sums up for you, doesn't it? It's really. AC Milan are ruled by this crazy people up top. They, well, they were before before they've been taken over, and now they've got a manager that's absolutely nuts up there. The style of football that they play as well, you know, they're playing a very narrow system. They play, they've got two strikers in Luis Adriano and Baca that are exactly the same forward. Balotelli looks like the saviour, but how long is that going to last? It's just an absolute mess. Selling El Shahawi in the summer, there's too many problems at AC Milan. Why right. did they sell that's, El Shahawi? Yeah, weird one. Let's whip through these. Uh, Harry wants to know. Sorry, Benjamin P wants to know who are the best upcoming players to watch in Euro 2016. Dave, hit me. Well, it's got to be uh, Domenico Berardi, um, the Sassuolo centre forward, scored or assisted more goals than any under 23 year old in Europe's top five leagues in the last three seasons. He's a player that absolutely excelled at the under 21 tournament for Italy. Was brilliant. He's 
He was playing wide, um, wide right, cutting in on his left foot. Very creative. Uh, can beat a man. He scored a wonderful free kick against AC Milan at the weekend. He is, he's going to be the star for me, the young star at, for uh, Italy. Uh, Lawrence, Solomon, my man Solomon, wants to know, what do you make of the accusations surrounding the 2006 World Cup in Germany? Um, I mean, if, if money was spent to do that, then uh, shame on Germany. Uh, but I imagine that what most people thought was common practice at the time and fighting fire with more money fire um, felt almost justified for some people. Uh, some people see it would have seen it as investment. Um, I, you'd still say it was corrupt and you'd still say it, is, yeah. it stinks of a, a, an organisation which is not looking for the best for people in football. But um, you'd say it was a good World Cup, wouldn't you? Uh, but the problem is you probably <laughs> say that wherever you go. Um, the, the problem is it was corrupt. And if, you know, if it's Ooh. true, which I imagine it, it possibly is then um you know we're, we're seeing even more problems and it's not as if europe's immune to this you know europe has been corrupt for years europe's been corrupt for centuries uh don't don't be surprised when europeans do terrible things <laughs> uh at sally Jaw, uh the only person who tweeted me after missing last uh, last week's episode thanks very much yeah. uh he said why do we overlook brazil's romario when talking about the great strikers good question Good question. Um, I would say um, he maybe didn't spend enough of his career at a top European league. So he spent a lot of time at Vasco da Gama, spent a lot of time at Flamengo. He scored. That was it. The two years at Barca. So only amassed 46 games at Barcelona, scoring 34 goals in the league. 34 goals in 46 games? Come on. That was in league, league appearances. Obviously a very good record, but the season after that, he went straight to Flamengo. So... I think Romario did very, very well at international level, but maybe didn't sort of um, set the world alight for a, a long period on the European stage. Obviously, scored loads of goals at PSV, but that was at a time that the Eredivisie was pretty weak. So maybe that was it, that he, he just didn't have enough time playing for, like, Barcelona, uh, playing for like Barcelona for a longer span of his career. But he was a fantastic player, obviously won the World Cup with Brazil. So I don't know. That seems the litmus mm-hmm. test, isn't it? For big footballers is coming to Europe and being able to do it, which is what people were worried about with Neymar. He's very small as well, Romario. I'm gonna yeah. say when you watch him in when you watch him in highlights, he's very small. Let me just I'll look at how tall he is. He's he's five foot um five. Five five, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, head, yeah. that's like that's absolute like one, barrel. One, that's like one sixty something, right? In centimeters. If you one sixty five, mm. I don't know, one sixty six maybe. One sixty I don't know, one sixty five, one sixty six. Uh, at Cazorla Assist wants to know, at the time, what transfer shocked you the most? Fernando Torres to Chelsea. Um, I think... Uh, Andy Carroll to Liverpool. Yeah, because that was the return one, wasn't it? That was pretty shocking. To find uh, out they're replacing Torres with Carroll. Figo. 35. Going between, going between the Classicos. Rubinho was pretty mental, wasn't it? When that, yes. That was a bit weird. Yes. Because that was at yeah. a time when Man City weren't, you know, obviously they got all the money just about. Um, God, that was, yeah. I'll go Falcao, for Rubinho. Di Maria, they're, they're just both mental. What yeah. happened there? Figo going from Barcelona to Real Madrid yeah. was pretty big in oh, 2000, was wasn't it? That was mental. Um, Di Capo, Da Capo on Twitter says, what players in recent years did you think would be world-class, but they've only turned out average? Messi, Ronaldo. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. 
I, I thought I thought I'm quite to think a few of the players I signed on players. for manager about five what about, years ago. Yeah, good point. What about what about players who have been through the academy? I mean, I thought Suso at Rather Liverpool. Morrison. I thought Pacheco, yeah, Rather Morrison. Morrison. Um, who else is there? Paul Pogba. Oh wait. Yeah. Um, oh, no, yeah, he's pretty good. He, he's not bad. Um, uh, ooh, that's a good question. And that, but, but then there's players who go the other way as well. You know, they go they go to, on to be better players, don't they? Um, got another question here from Dan at Dan Shuey. He said, "Who is a player you can never forgive your favourite club for letting go?" Xabi uh, Alonso, Liverpool. Xabi Alonso. <laughs> yeah. yeah, me too. Xabi Alonso. Um, yeah, I think Carlos Tevez. Oh, that yeah. was a big one. Yeah. I think uh, Sol Campbell was obviously a big one for Spurs. Got a lot of ridicule at that uh, for that one when I was younger, and also he went on to win all the titles. Yeah, uh, Dacen Adamson uh, who uses thinking. some great hashtags. Whole is love, whole is life. <laughs> he says, uh, "Will Jurgen Klopp win the BPL in four years?" I think we did talk about this last time I was on the show, and we decided that no. He's not going to win the BPO in four years? Um, uh, yeah, maybe. No. Yeah, maybe. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Matthew Hayden says, is Vardy any good? I'm convinced he's having a hot spell without being good enough for England. Mm, yeah, I mean, you would say that he, look, he looks and runs like one of those players who does very well in the Premier League, but then when they go up, you know, like the Kevin Phillips-esque players... <laughs> Um, but just they just don't fit. Uh, it, it's all about whether you fit within the squad, isn't it? I'd imagine there's there's probably some people within the squad that will get on very nicely with. What, but what's I, the uh, Jamie Vardy chat shit get banged? <laughs> chat shit about? get banged, bro. What's that about? Did a tweet, didn't he? The Muppet chat a while ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. Jamie Vardy. Uh, okay. I think he's just in very streaky form at the moment. Um, he's a he's good player. Works track. hard. Pressurizes the defense. But I think he's just. Yeah, red hot right now. Chance conversions around thirty percent. Not many players who aren't Messi and Ronaldo can keep that up. So I think it's going to be all <laughs> the decline for poor old Vardy. Hey, he's been linked with Real Madrid, so once he's at the Bernabeu, I mean, he's, uh, yeah, he's going to be absolutely killing it. Um, Nicola F, uh, great question. He says, "What has been your favourite moment on the front three so far?" Mm, um, um, having Joel on. I quite like the um, from the first Chabi Alonso what? episode. I like the first episode. No, I like the I like Dave's joke. Was it Dave's joke? No, was it Dave? that was probably one I don't think anyone remembers Dave making a joke. No, I've no really end of episode. He went all right, guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was a good bit. Yeah, I, I I liked it when we all used to be in the same room to record it. That was oh, good. That was oh, yeah. Yeah, that was nice. Those we used are to have the a golden days. days. Yeah, those are the golden days before. Yeah, it's a couple of months ago. Yeah. We're on t- episode 29. If we get to, um, well, 28 means we've been doing this for seven months. So we, we're past seven months. Yeah. No, surely not. Well, we did do two episodes in a week, but yeah. uh, this will be our seventh month, this one. Wow. Wow. Yeah. My favourite moment was episode 12. Great yeah? episode. Great episode. Go back, go back and listen to it. Unbelievable. Uh, why do people select? This is from... Olsen Cryer. He said, Why do people select for their best ever 11s? Cristiano Ronaldo, Messi, are mostly players from over 30 years ago. Hasn't the quality of football improved over time? Uh, 
I think what I, you're saying is, why in most people's best ever 11s is Ronaldo oh, they, always yeah, there right. and yeah, Messi yeah. always there, but all the Messi rest of them years ago. are like yeah. old players. Football's better now. Why aren't there more modern players? Uh, well, that's not really how progress works. We, we are sold the idea that progress goes uh, in a, in a uh, linear fashion, but that isn't necessarily the case. Change does not mean progress. Um, and then also you'd say there was a, a time of incredible growth and incredible uh, changes within football when, when a lot of people began to travel, etc., etc., um, apparently, I was saying this, that one of my favourite podcasts in football is uh, the World Football Phone-In, and there was a story the other night about Pele, and how if Pele had not played against Wales, um, to I think, and they, he went on and won the World Cup, obviously, after that, he would have, he could have been dropped from the Brazil national team, and never wow. uh, won the World Cup with them. That would have been incredible, wouldn't it? Mm. There's, also, there's also an incredible amount of romanticism about times before, whereas we don't get as romantic about, I mean, you know, we can get romantic Real. about Zidane and those kind of things, but then people go, well, you know, what else is there? Uh, you know, could you go back and go with someone else? Um, centre-backs, though, we had a bit of a peak in centre-backs. Centre-backs oh, yeah. for a while. A bit, what did Rio Ferdinand say just the other day? He was saying, he was saying something like, oh, we've not had a good centre-back in ages. We've not had someone who you can consistently say has been as good. Essentially what he was saying is, we've not had another me. Um, a fair point, though. and he's yeah. not wrong he was so good um, <laughs> he's not wrong but at the same time you're not as consistent as you fucking think Rio um, you were good Rio, mate. But if do, you're listening you, you, the, me and Dave the drop like, off no. at the end Lauren, drop off at the it. end right, uh, right Lauren, next question no. next question before this controversy no Dave it's Spills. arrogance it's no I, it, just, it, it was so good <laughs> it's it trying to shoehorn him In, he's try, he tries to shoehorn himself into every bloody conversation <laughs> he was pretty good though, wasn't he? He was good. He was. I'm not saying I'm not saying he wasn't good. Um anyway, I'm just saying Alfredo Arnace Sibilia, who's got a great uh Twitter username. That is so Fredo. So Fredo. He said supporting a club that is not from your city is thought of by many as being blasphemous. Do you think this belief is antiquated? Uh yes. Oh, that is a lot of good words in that sentence. I don't well, know. Very intelligent. I don't know many people. I, I, people talk shit, don't they? In it's, current mod, modern life, globalised society, all interconnected. I think you can support who you who you want. I don't think your affiliation with a club necessarily has to be that you're from that city. I think when people have a problem with it is when you know back in the day you'd say United fans, are Glory Hunters, who weren't from Manchester. I think if you have a particular affiliation with a club for whatever reason that is. Go for it. Yeah. You might like the yeah, manager. I mean, you might long, like a certain as, player. Well, Why not? Yeah. You know. Well, I mean, as our, as our idea of identity changes within society, we probably will evolve the idea of what the identity of a football team means to yeah. your own personal growth. And people all around the world support the mighty Spurs and other clubs. Um, Don't think uh, anyone's going to say that, Adam. <laughs> now, this one is slightly confusing to me. Louis Morad on Twitter mm-hmm. said at the front three, yeah. does Adam idolizing Lalana and Dave counting make Lozcast tick? Question mark. Hashtag, I don't. I am the whole. Uh, do, does that mean? Does that mean that you? I think it's a uh, good question, Lawrence. Maybe it's what makes Lawrence McKenna tick. Now, tick. I mean, yes. 
That's a whole now that, that requires an hour-long special. Yeah, think, yeah. My uh, God. Which is actually, I'm releasing that next week in a 12-part series. What what is that going to be on that new? Is it? Is it the front two, Lawrence? A new podcast. It's the front one, Dave. The front the one. Front, what? You bastard! You've dropped yeah. me off. <laughs> well, no, you're, you're the man in behind, Dave. Dave. Dave, we can be the front oh, two. Lad. That's true. Dave, no, that's true. No, fuck off. No, fuck sorry, off, mate. We put. <laughs> Okay, well, we can talk about that next week then. <laughs> what does that mean? Adam idolising the Lana and Dave counting. I mean, do you count a lot, Dave? I mean, well, I think I there was questions before the show whether I could count and you just solely idolise Adam Lalana. You know, you want to look like him. You want to. You want to pretty much be him. You want to join Liverpool. I'm completely uh, indifferent to Adam Lalana. Yeah. 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 I mean, I he, he just exists. I mean, you couldn't. You probably couldn't idolise him anymore. You did take his name and his entire him. look, and I'll his admit, hair, I'll admit and his beard. Everything rumbled. <laughs> I've been rumbled big time. Uh, German Chikas Junior, great name, uh, said, "Is Pierre Emerick Aubameyang underrated?" No, he's very well rated. No, very well rated. Uh, Do you remember when we started doing football daily, and every question was just. Is this guy overrated? Is he underrated? And he's we just rated. Like, oh, fairly rated. He's yeah. good, yeah. I think this season he's really kicked on. I think under Jürgen Klopp playing as a centre forward, it didn't suit his style. Um, too many long balls going to him. He didn't, uh, it didn't suit his plays. Better at going in behind, running down into the channels, which is something that um, Klopp doesn't like from a centre forward. But you can see under Tuchel, he's been pretty amazing. In 2015, he scored 24 league goals. That's more than any Bundesliga player. So it's... Yeah, I think he's correctly rated right now as a very, very good player. Ridiculously quick. There's a clip of him at the weekend closing down a goalkeeper. He literally makes up like five yards in half a second. It's a joke. Which is why Aubameyang won't be coming to Liverpool. Next question is from Josh Barton. And he said, what cars do you drive? Mostly TFL. Yeah, I (laughs) cannot drive. Me neither. Can you drive, Uh, Lawrence? No. Shit, so wow. have we got like a no, last holiday? I've got, I've got a chauffeur, guys. I don't need one. Oh, okay. I've, um, I've got a bike. I can cycle pretty fast. Don't talk about that. That's horrible. <laughs> Final question. That's a great whoa, question. Whoa, 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 whoa. We've got to do this one down here. What one? <laughs> this one. We'll have to cut this out. We'll have to do this one. Oh, sorry. Okay. <clears throat> Two. <clears throat> Not last question. Let me just write the time code down. Mm. Sorry, mate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Adlan bling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I might just take that little bit and put it at the end of the podcast. Now. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, Piotr Gala says, On the training ground, many Borussia Dortmund players have stated that Thomas Tuchel is ten times the tactician that Klopp was. Brackets. What phenomenal alliteration that is. Lawrence, how do you feel about this? And Dave, is this statistically true? Where where is this coming from? Is this is this true? I don't I don't know. I don't know what, what it I don't know what he means. Like I don't know when he says many what he means by that. Um I mean it, he does look to have taken some of what Klopp built as a basis and built on that. Um but I I don't think that people particularly idolize Klopp as just a tactician. Um more of an icon would you say? Well, he's an icon about certain aspects of football, but also, you know, was it not also the mental aspect that he brought to the club? Um, and, you know, I think both of them would say they owe a lot to the other for the progress they had at that time and the, the success. I can't find that anywhere. Ten times the tactician. I do, 
I, I just don't, I don't know if that, I mean, to be 10 times tactically better than, than, a, than a manager who was at a club for seven years mm. and Ten won the, the Bundesliga twice. He's got to be, a, I mean, he's got to be really good. They he's got to win it 10 times, basically. Yeah. But they look good tactically. No, 20 times. He's got to win it 20 times. I but mean. they look good tactically. And things have changed. Um, but I, I don't know which players would also be saying that because I, I think there are a lot of players who are very loyal. And I think Tunchal himself is very loyal yeah, to it doesn't Klopp. sound right to me. So it just sounds a little bit unusual. Um, fi find us the quote. Tweet it to us. Yeah, tweet it. You know. um, Statistically, they've changed their style from possession, you know, playing possession football to not playing for that. Sorry, under Klopp, they played a sort of more long ball style. Now they're playing more, get the ball on the deck, play it around. They've scored more goals, so and they've kept more clean sheets. But that's about it from the stats. It's, I mean, it's still based on a. There's still you can still see a basis of Klopp in there. From I guess yeah. the, the playing, the playing, the players are actually there, and I think the intensity um, of the club overall is probably being maintained. But tactically, we you know we know there's been a bit of a change at uh, Dortmund this season. Um, there have, although there have also been some classic buying goals in there, haven't there? Some classic mm. counter-attacking. It, it, there was some good stuff played early on in the season, led by Royce. Right, final mm. question then. Uh, Rakesh says, hopefully not too late. Uh, not too late, I hope out. But no, no. Go on, which you got Premier League team do you think has has the most exciting youth players coming through at the moment? Spurs, mate. Ooh, I like Spurs the way you think. I like the way you think. Uh, I... Alex Pritchard. Tom Carroll. Harry Winks. I mean... <laughs> Eric Dyer, would you say? All I mean, names I wouldn't say you've yeah, never I mean, heard. <laughs> <laughs> they've heard them now. The people yeah, have heard Exactly, them now, yeah. Go, come and look them up on They're going to be the new Ryan Mason. They're going to be the new <laughs> Nabil Bentaleb, the new Dyer. Imagine that. You've been coming through the ranks and, and your coach goes, right, pal, you are the new yeah, Ryan the new Mason. Mason. You, my friend, <laughs> yourself are the next, on the pitch. Right, yeah, exactly. You, my friend, are being loaned. What? I can't Nothing. think of... There isn't another team at the moment, is there? In the, in the Premier League, who Whoa. is... Who is Come on. As man. consistently Come as possible. No, I, mean, I mean, in the last season, putting youth players into the first team. The last season. That's, so. that's a fair point. I think Man United have a lot of exciting young talent. Martial, yeah, I'm not saying there's, there's Depay, Yanadai, but yeah, yeah, I agree with your point that Spurs have integrated youth very well, especially yeah. sort of English youth. Deli Alley. Last year or so, yeah. But I mean. Liverpool under Rogers bought a fair few players too. Um, you know, Ibe, Sterling, uh, Flanagan, uh, Rossiter. Uh, but they're not quite. Not, they haven't quite, you know, pushed onto that next level. Do you know what I mean? But I mean, I don't. I think who's who's consistent at Spurs? Harry Kane, mate. Come on, <laughs> one player. I mean, then no. I think Ryan Mason has been in the first team now for uh, almost a season. Oh, but Bentaleb as well. Bentaleb has been Bentaleb, yeah, been uh, over been. a season now in that first team. Consistently in that first team. Eric Dyer has been in the first team since he joined last summer. Yeah. Um, Since he joined last summer, so that's not a fucking youth policy, is it? No, but I mean, he specifically said youth players. So I mean, you could, I know Eric Dyer, although he didn't come through the academy, didn't come through the system. You could technically say he's a youth player, or is that stretching it? Uh, stretching. I, I would, I would not say that's a youth. I'd say that's a bought. Okay, so we've got Bentaleb, Mason, and Kane, basically. But I mean, yeah. that's more than most teams, I'd argue. 
to be in the first team right now? But, I mean, possibly. Um, I'm trying to think of other teams out there right now who are... I mean, could you say Arsenal have? You know, Bellerin. Um, Chamberlain, who's been bought. Yeah. Oxlade-Chamberlain. Was he not bought? They both not bought? Joel Campbell. I mean, let's just settle on Spurs and move on. Yeah, let's do Spurs. Yeah. <laughs> Petr Czech to the talking points. Arsenal's youth. Still, youth. still on Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Lawrence, what is your talking point this week? My, talk, my talking point this week, Adam, is injuries and players' injuries and how we manage those. Uh, a few weeks ago, Klopp was saying, I thought it was interesting, about uh, if we treat players like horses, they will be horses. Um, and I think he makes an interesting point there that there are some players who are consistently injured and we're seeing a lot of injuries in players and you just wonder, is it difficult for, uh, unless we see a very kind of evident and immediate uh, problem with that and that if we normalise the, if we normalise being injured uh, in a very masculine sport, then will we end up with uh, a generation of people who just take injections and will, you know, continue to battle through in inverted commas, or especially at such a high level where it is, you know, there are very fine, um, fine margins. I'm just wondering at this point, you know, what do injuries do to a team in a season? Because Liverpool have been blighted by injuries more recently. Um, and, you know, Ings, Gomez, a number of young, promising English players have also been blighted with injury. And I think I'm just wondering whether it's, it's it, there's a possibility we begin to treat people a little bit differently within the sport um, and maybe start to look at how we bring players through and teach them to be fit mm. in a different way and maybe care for them slightly more. When people say, oh, why don't we play him every week? If he's good, then he's good enough to be in the first team. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that every week. Who, who, was it Klopp recently you sort of said... Uh, well, it was Klopp who said, if you treat them like horses, then they'll be horses. Um, and, that, and that's think, exactly the point. I think you need to be more rounded, don't you? I think that's a good point about sort of injury awareness. And yeah, you know, do you see players, do you guys see young players coming through and thinking, right, I'm going to do my own stretching routine before the game? Because I know that, for example, my calf is usually quite sore at the end of the game. You know, do, do you think players sort of take that own um, initiative and empower themselves in terms of their own physical Health in a way. I don't know if they're told to though, Dave. I don't. I think a lot of them are told to conform. Is that it? Is that it? Sort of thing. Where it is like you. You're told to do this. You're told to do that. And there's no thinking outside the box with these young players. And they're all told to, um, you know, do these physical um, sort of regimes in a way. I think a big problem at the moment that we're going to see in the next few years and potentially the next twenty years is people that take those protein shakes. You know, that's going to have a have a disastrous uh, effect on people's kidneys and livers in the long run. You know, taking that much protein in a day is going to be very damaging. And we've seen that in young players that they do, especially in rugby, you'd say. It's a prime example there that this sort of lack of thought going around when they're young, they just want to get into the team and do whatever these, um, you know, uh, nutritionists say and so forth. And they're so driven on that that they kind of forget that they've got to manage themselves as, as well. That's part of it, yeah. And I think it is, it, obviously, it's a very short-term career. And I think Klopp, make, I mean, Klopp summed it up perfectly for me. It was, if you treat them like horses, then they'll be horses. And the point is that horses live a much shorter life and they're animals and they can't express themselves. And therefore, you don't hear them complain about being oh, injured or being shot in the head or any of those kind of things. We'll talk about but, horses tonight. But, but lot, what, what, when else did we talk about horses? Dave was talking about wheat. 
And he was like, "Oh, yeah, good point. Really? Yeah, yeah. horses. I mean, well, yeah. There's a title. Uh, I think what you're saying, um, the, the the manager I was thinking of was uh, Slavin Bilic, and he sort of said like when Reece Oxford yeah. burst onto the scene in that first game, he sort of said, "Yeah, this guy can't play every game, though. You know, we need to be smart about this. We need to manage them. And maybe manage that's not something. Yeah, that's not maybe not something you see. I mean, me and Dave were talking earlier about Wayne Rooney and how the fact that he's played every single game ever since he was 16 years old means that." Now he's almost paying the the price for that, and the the physical deterioration was inevitable because, like you say, he was treated like a like a horse. Well, I don't know, but that, then it's also it also comes down to personal uh, choice as well, doesn't it? Um, and some people go through. Uh, I guess they want to strike while they iron's hot because you know people are almost told. You know, well, if you don't, um, if you don't strike now, then you might not get into the first team later. Your form may leave you. Then we won't know whether you could have ever been a big player. Quickly get into the team. Um, and you know, there's also some people who like to think they're martyrs or like to think, you know, I'm doing this for the long term, for the good, for the good of my family. But then some people will end up literally not being able to walk later in life because of the amount of injections they take, um, or because of the painkillers that they take in order to play. So. I think it's part of the, the individualized culture that we live in where, you know, you're told to do things for the team, but at the same time, it's to build one's personal profile. Um, mm. It's a bit of a dangerous, I, don't know, I just think it's a bit of a dangerous uh, precedent to set, let's put it that way. And I think injuries at the moment, especially one thing I would say is how can international sides look at um, how to transition players away from their own club and work closer, closer between clubs and international teams to make sure that people have a more consistent fitness regime because it does seem that when they change it and it becomes less intense or it becomes more intense then they tend to get injured hmm. solid 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 Good stuff there um yeah dave what's your, what's your talking point this week then hold on do we i could you both crack breaking up there dave we should speak again dave what's your talking point this week then well it's the big one. The king has returned to his castle. And that king is Sam Allardyce. And Aww. his castle is on one mighty castle of defence. But I'm basically, I, I've, I've got a question for you two guys. Yeah. Do you think Sunderland will stay up under mm. Big Sam? Oof, um, you hope not. Um, I think they'll be fine with Big Sam. Yes, I do. I think they'll Lawrence. be better. I think they will be better under Big Sam. Uh, I want to see Sunderland stay up. I, you don't necessarily want to see Big Sam. I mean, you know, it, it, oh, it, it, it cements his, it cements his place as the kind of manager that he is, doesn't it? But it doesn't mean that he's a top-class manager. It just means he, he has that role locked down. Whoa. Yeah. I think, I think, they're, I think that's it. it. Yeah, poor old Sam Allardyce gets caned. He's never been relegated in the Premier League. I think what do you mean they... he gets caned? What do you mean poor old Sam Allardyce? Really <laughs> I like great. Sam Allardyce. I think he's great. Yeah, what do you mean, Dave? What are you talking about? Do you mean ironically, Dave, or do you mean like... No, no, I, I, I like what Sam Allardyce does. It's similar to a Tony Pulis, that he yeah, gets me, the me results too. in the right... I, I have no problem with Sam Allardyce. I, I mean, I do have problems with some of what Sam Allardyce said, <laughs> but I, I don't really have problems with him tactically. I have, uh, although I did, he did have problems with some of the stuff he did at Bolton. Ivo, Ivan Campo was a bastard. Um, Whoa, JJ Kocha, though. You know, that's what Sam Allardyce is like. Free, <laughs> the, free the, the tricky guys. Put it this way, though, Dave. Put it this way, though. You don't then go off the pitch and go, I am fantastic. 
That is Sam Allardyce, that, isn't it? That's, that's, that's part of the, the sort of the, the character in a way. You could see Sam Allardyce fitting into a, a, a series like Phoenix Nights seamlessly, and it'd be absolutely brilliant. <laughs> but I, I don't know why you're saying that as a positive thing, Dave. Phoenix Nights is a comedy about people with, who lack awareness. I don't know why. That's Sam Allardyce. <laughs> Yeah. Do you think? Come well, on, Dave. Give us some stats then. Why yeah, is he going to so keep Sunderland? Up? I, I definitely think he's going to keep Sunderland up. Um, instant impact. You saw Stephen David, Stephen Fletcher, sorry, come out this week saying it's crazy how well he organises the team. There's an instant impact in there. Look at the basic stats from when he was um, when before um, when Dick Advocat was in charge. Sunderland were nearly on three cards per game. That was you know three yellow cards per game. That's that number's gone down to um, one every game now. So that's reduced. Defensive actions has gone up. A big thing of Sam Allardyce, you know, doesn't like the ball as much, likes to defend, which is a good thing for them. Um, another uh, sort of characteristic of a big Sam Allardyce team is that they cross the ball a lot. West Ham played more crosses than any other team in the Premier League uh, last season, which can help one man for me. The saviour for Sunderland this season is going to be Stephen Fletcher. In the last five Premier League Steve- seasons, Stephen Fletcher scored 13 headed goals. Only Giroud, Bentec, and Peter Crouch have scored more. And I think if when sort of Allardyce's style comes in, you know, maybe not loved of crossing the ball, scoring goals from set pieces, Stephen Fletcher is going to score goals. I reckon t- over 10 Premier League goals this season, and Sunderland will definitely stay up. Bold predictions there. Bold like lad. Um, Let's put it this way. Chelsea are 1-0 down and Arsenal are 3-0 yeah, down. Yeah, 3-0 down. <laughs> that could be a little something, uh, a little extra, maybe. Um, I just want to talk briefly, my talking point, I just want to talk about signing of the summer so far. Since we're yeah. 10 games in, you know, a lot of new signings are making a big impact. Who has stood out for you, Dave, as one of the best signings so far? I mean, we're looking at the likes of Anthony Martial, seeing as you are a Manchester United fan. Yeah. Um, we're looking at Dimitri Payet for West Ham, of course. Maybe Toby Alderweireld for the mighty Spurs. Maybe, maybe Kabai at... Uh, maybe oh, Kabai. Yes. That's a good shout. You see, I'd probably say it's, it's got to be Dimitri Payet or Martial. Dimitri Payet's created more um, chances than every Premier League player, apart from Meza Ozil this season. That's the most of... So Meza Ozil's Empire leading Ozil. the way in Europe's top five leagues. So and he's really 12 million Payet. as well. Only 12 million, scored five league goals, got three assists. He's been absolutely fantastic. But for me, it's got to be Anthony Martial. Obviously, the criticism that he took before the move. Ooh. He's just, it looks like he's a player that is at that ridiculous level. You know, 19 years old, and he has been phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal when he's played up front. He's been brilliant, done a job on the wing. He's tactically aware, can score goals, can beat an opponent is very, very quick. He's kind of got it all. He's the full package, can hold the ball up. I think that was the most underrated thing when he came to Man United is his ability playing with his back to goal. And I think that's something that United need to definitely change with Wayne Rooney. You know, Wayne Rooney, the ball didn't stick with him against City, which was one of the reasons why United was so poor. Only create five chances, the lowest they've managed all season. But with, when Martial takes the ball um, from a midfielder or from a defender, it sticks with him. He's strong enough to hold it off and lay it off to someone else, which improves Man United. It gets them up the pitch and they can create more chances. So for me, got to be Martial. Lawrence, who's your shout for signing of the summer so far? Ooh, it's, it's between, for me, uh, two of my favourite players, Andre Ayew. Oh, yeah. Love it. Three. Love uh, it. And um, I'm going to say Kabai, just because it's Kabai. You know, really, a really good signing. <laughs> he was, was he 13 million, I think? Kabai? Yeah. 
Percy? Yeah, and I think it was a real statement of intent from uh, from from the guys down there at the palace at Selhurst. What about you, Adam? I think from a biased, selfish point of view, Toby Alderweireld yep. has been very impressive. Formed a nice partnership with Vertonghen mm-hmm. and has sort of helped us keep, uh, you know, we, we're one of the best defences in the Premier League at the moment, which is something you'd never thought you'd say about Spurs. But I think in terms of pure impact, Anthony Martial or Dimitri Payet, I think Payet has been central to what West Ham have been able to do. They've got, is it four massive wins against, you know, big clubs um, since the start of the season. So I think Payet as well, he's only 12 million and he could be... You know, by the end of the season, we could be saying he's worth double, maybe even triple that if he continues that sort of thought. So, yeah, I'll go for for Pyatt. But let us know what you guys think. The listeners, let us know what you're thinking. Who's been the best signing of the summer? Let us know what you think about everything we've been talking about on today's podcast. You can tweet us at the front three. If people wanted to tweet you personally, Dave, what would I have to type in on Twitter? So you start with the at sign. Yeah. And then it's the S, the Q. The U, the A, the W, the K, A, the D, A, V, E. There you go. And if people wanted to tweet you, Lawrence, get in touch. How would they do that? You go with the L, the O, the Z, the C, the A, the S, the T. And if Adam, people want to tweet what? you, where do they go? Uh, Adam Boltwood on oh. Twitter. Type it in. You know how to spell it. Anyway, lovely podcast, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, and we'll see you next week. Oh, can we have those T-shirts, please? Uh, Bye. I'm going to say yes. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.